are listening to a podcast from The National. That's the sound of a blood pressure machine. I'm at the Intercare Health Centre in Abu Dhabi. But don't worry, I'm not ill. I'm the one actually gauging the health of the health sector in the UAE and the wider region. I'm Mustafa Al-Rawi, and this is the Business Extra podcast. I'm back in the podcast studio in the Nationals newsroom in Abu Dhabi after having done a bit of a deep dive into the healthcare sector in the UAE, speaking to several people who are on the ground every day working in the provision of healthcare, the insurance of healthcare, and also investment in healthcare as well. Let's start off with uh, the CEO of Foundation Holdings, Abhishek Sharma. Uh, They're an investor uh, in the healthcare space in the UAE and India. Um, They're looking at a very exciting opportunity. But first off, uh, Abhishek explains where we are in terms of the health sector at the moment. So I think the first step is if we actually, you know, not 30,000 feet, maybe we take it up to 100,000 feet, is we're literally coming off what I would say is a golden age in healthcare. And that's globally what the statistics show is uh, it took a few million years to increase life expectancy by 11 years. So if someone was living, let's call it the average was 48, they're actually now living till 59. In the last two decades, that expectancy has gone up by almost 30 years. So the magic of technology, better education, awareness is helping people live longer live healthier, if that's easy to believe. And also, actually, that means there's a systemic shift in what people will do once retirement and these concepts strike in. So I think globally, there's been a big big shift. In the GCC itself, uh, Mustafa, I came back late 07, early 08. Those were the days when uh, oil was 130, Burj Khalifa was actually starting up, and real estate was on fire. Luckily, at that point, for us, there was only one healthcare company in the entire GCC, which was listed. And if one fast forwards today, which is a decade later, there are more than a dozen now healthcare companies. So one has become 12. Market capitalization has gone from 150 million to over 12 billion of listed companies in the GCC. And despite oil going from 150 to 30 to 100 and back down, to the 60s, 70s range it is, these sectors have shown they're here to stay, they're a must-have, and actually they've seen exponential growth. So it's almost because of the huge potential they have, these are your low-risk industries, which then on a risk-adjusted basis are probably the most must-have sectors to have. I mean, it's fascinating, the, the scale of, of, of how the health sector has grown in the last decade. Um, and, and certainly um, when, you know, other industries were suffering in the wake of the financial crisis, we could see that there was still growth in area in industries like healthcare because of the population, because of, you know, the factors you were talking about in terms of attitudes to healthcare, demand, what people were looking for, people could could pay for it. And then, of course, and we'll get into this a bit later, um, you know, the regulation changed where mandatory insurance came in in certain areas, which mm-hmm. then obviously brought in new opportunities. Um, but is there, if, if I can kind of close this discussion off with have we have you say there was a golden age has that golden age tapered off is or is there still room to grow so i think you know there is probably not enough credit given to the 
UAE government and the visionary leadership in how they've approached healthcare and education. So one of the key things the UAE government as part of UAE Vision 2021 has highlighted that their mission is to have a world-class healthcare system in the UAE. Now, it's only 2018, so we still have three more years. And it isn't just a mission statement. They have given 10 key tangible, measurable outcomes they would like to see from a better sort of a healthier population to quality to accreditation. What they have tried to address very cleanly is three big global challenges, which are to do with access, affordability, and at the same time, quality of healthcare overall. So I think we're far, far, far away from actually tapering off because uh, if you just take the example of diabetes, the tsunami of diabetes is hitting everyone globally. In the GCC and in India, if we're sad, we eat. If we're happy, we still eat. So I think, you know, we will find newer and newer and newer ways to keep falling sick. And uh, with the advent of technology, medicine and the UAE leadership and the GCC leaderships and the Indian leaderships, the job of the government will be to keep its uh, citizens more healthy, more engaged. So the opportunity is going to remain. Um, but, you know, specifically what Foundation Holdings is looking at, as, as I understand it, is is one segment of, of that opportunity in particular because, you know, you, you mentioned Al-Noor Hospitals before, which is a big player in this mm-hmm. country. Um, uh, we have NMC Healthcare, another big player, and sort of these sort of straight-up providers. Um, but you're looking at a different segment. Uh, what would you call that segment? It's not it's not the low-income segment. It's sort of the mass segment. Is that is that what you describe it as? Yes, yeah, so I think, you know, one, we've been very fortunate in our journey and that we've been able to uncover the secret. And it really is probably, you know, the best kept secret in healthcare so far. So, you know, as I moved back, as I moved with my family in the early 90s, of course, Dubai, UAE, Abu Dhabi was a dramatically different place. One of the things which people come from the US, UK, Lebanon, and so on to Dubai and Abu Dhabi, they admire the pace of change. That pace of change, of course, often is symbolized by the buildings and by the infrastructure which is constructed. That infrastructure has not been done physically by most of the expats or the visionary leadership. It's actually the blue-collar workers, your Baladia workers, the guys who serve coffee. A lot of them have put in their hard work to build the nation along with the rest of us. Historically, this segment has been a neglected segment for different reasons, financially not attractive, it was uh, also there wasn't enough awareness of what the segment is going through. With our journey with Al-Noor Hospitals, what we realized is about a decade ago, there was a huge opportunity to create a market leader and a brand in the top of the segment, which was actually where Al-Noor came and took pole position. It was a category killer. Now, of course, there are players like Cleveland Clinic and so on who have come at the top of the segment. Similarly, we looked and said, where is that Al-Noor for the bottom of the pyramid? So let's call it the bottom of the pyramid. We literally saw it's a fragmented segment. It's something which is just picking up with the advent of insurance. So in Abu Dhabi, when insurance came, outpatient visits went up by 15% a year. Insurance claims went up by 40% a year. This segment has yet to see that massive potential unleashing on the segment itself. So what we saw is we 
have taken and seen through the fog and said there is a huge opportunity to create a category killer is opportunity to create a national brand and that brand is something where we said we're going to be consolidating a lot of the mom and pop shops addressing a brand people trust and believe in and that company we've created is called right health right and that that's where foundation holdings is is pushing its approach is in that sort of broader segment at the bottom of the pyramid as you describe it uh, where uh, you know sort of low income or low skilled workers or, or me, you know the the guys as you said who are building the buildings and the infrastructure um, maybe they work for big construction companies maybe they work for municipalities but the point being that there are hundreds of thousands of them if not millions in this country and of course in the wider GCC um, and for them up until now there has been a sort of fragmented uh, provision of health um one of you know some of the risks associated with the segment as i understand it at least anecdotally even when the employer has has gone out and got insurance whether for regulatory reasons or otherwise sometimes they don't even give these guys their cards these guys don't always seek out healthcare sometimes they don't even know how to seek out healthcare um also with that many people there's always the worry of fraud that the insurance companies will be like how do we know that somebody's really getting treatment and so you know i i think it's it, there's probably been a lot of reasons why people haven't jumped into this space up till now what 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 makes the timing right so i think the good thing with foundation holdings is because of the business builders on our bench often we get past the reports and get our hands dirty and jump in and see what is truly the opportunity on the ground so for example in this case of course we worked with kpmg to do a commercial diligence to understand what is the size of the sector and how fast it's growing from what we understand this value healthcare segment uh from a primary and, and that's what you call it value healthcare so value healthcare uh, mustafa is right now a global term okay. which is uh, i would say you know there was a huge piece last year at the world economic forum in davos which spoke about value healthcare which is where is the value in healthcare historically healthcare has been about volume and volume is a pay for service right so if mustafa comes to a hospital if he comes five times you got to pay five times so it's a per visit encounter value literally is more to do with what value does the patient see what is the ecosystem see so what we have said is in this bottom of the pyramid we're going to be affording and giving to our patients most importantly value healthcare so that we are aligned and we offer a win-win solution to the patients the insurance companies and to the government so from our side we did a detailed research with KPMG we then have operating board members who we use uh, some of the former executives and shareholders from al nur hospitals who came in and not just kicked the tires so what is that opportunity on ground what we found is it's a billion dollar market it's actually more in the, than in the uae in the uae right it's more than a couple of million people and it was crying for a need for companies such as ourselves who would address the challenge they face so for us we believe this is a attractive subsegment we've uncovered and that's where we've literally taken a 70% stake in an existing business rebranded it right health yeah. and that is where foundation holding comes in and right health has got clinics in across the UAE at the moment in Abu Dhabi in the northern emirates that's yeah, where so you are yes so Abu Dhabi uh, so right health is in th- has 31 locations as of today 
Uh, it's in Abu Dhabi, it's in Alain, Dubai, Ajman, and Sharjah. So we're predominantly in five cities, and the locations are outpatient clinics, it's uh, pharmacies, and labs. Those are the segments we play in. That was Abhishek Sharma, the CEO of Foundation Holdings. More business extra in just a moment, but first allow me to tell you about The National's other podcasts. Beyond the Headlines takes a deeper dive into the biggest news from the week with a distinct Middle Eastern point of view. And extra time from our esteemed sports desk is the best place to chat about the English Premier League and more. Subscribe to both shows as well as this one wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, you can find us at thenational.ae. This is an episode on the healthcare sector. Uh, it is the first uh, where we're looking into uh, the industry and, and where it is and uh, where it will be going, in fact. Uh, so uh, I caught up with uh, Kareem Idleby, who is the GM of Bupa Global in India, Africa and the Middle East. Uh, I went down to their headquarters in the DIFC in Dubai to discuss the state of the sector. And uh, he explained how uh, the sector is very much marked by uh, the competitive nature of how it's a lot more players have come in and also the push for quality which is very much one of the characteristics of where we are at the moment whilst the industry is growing the cost of healthcare is going up and the rising cost of healthcare i would argue is one of the top burdens of any government around the world which is why we're seeing so much regulatory reform not least in this region we saw it in saudi a few years ago we're seeing it in the uae a few years we're seeing it across the gcc and indeed in in other parts of the region as well so i think trying to manage that rising cost of healthcare is what's driving this change now why are healthcare costs growing i recall in 2015 actually the national did a piece uh, of saying that over a billion pounds uh, or dollars was being leaked due to overprescription for example yeah I know that uh, Thomson Reuters did a piece also in 2015 saying that actually across the world, when it comes to pharmaceutical drugs, you know, typically in the US, for example, 80% of the drugs sold through pharmacies tend to be generics and 20% of the name branded. Those figures are actually reversed when we look at it in the UAE. So we, today we still um, spend 80% on name branded drugs and 20% on generics. So there's a lot of room for cutting costs down in terms of prescriptions and, and medicines. Absolutely. And so, you know, those are two factors of what's driving healthcare costs up. Also, look at the part that technology has to play. Whilst technology enables us to, you know, become more efficient, it also enables customers, users, to become more aware and more educated, and as a result, demand more things. Um, too, too educated, so, maybe. I mean, when people are doing too much research online, that can be confusing as well. The question is where the information is coming from, because as we all know, you can go online and get an answer to, you can get the answer you're looking for, um, and it could be multiple different answers for the same question. So it's about validating with the sources of that and then ensuring that, you know, I think where we have to get to is this point about engagement is where healthcare providers, whether that be the insurer, the, the facility itself, the intermediary or, or in terms there, as well as the end user and the customer are working together in order to ultimately get to the best outcome. It can't be about minimizing cost or increasing sales, etc. It has to be focused on customer outcomes. Um, and that requires the whole value chain, whether it be the insurer, the intermediary, the facility itself, to be working together to ultimately deliver the best customer outcome. 
And Boop has been uh, growing its presence here in the region, uh, looking at different corporate customers. You have individual customers as well. What, what's been the biggest change in the three, the almost three years since you came to run Boopa's regional operations? So the question that is just focused on the UAE, but of course, you know, we've been in Saudi for, for a long time um, as well. And, uh, you know, we have a massive operation there. Um, we have a, a big business in Egypt uh, as well. I would say probably the, the biggest change, I would say there are two. The first one is the, um, the interest in the region from new players. So I think that the region really is uh, upping When you say game. new players, providers or insurers both. or both? Okay. Everyone um, is, is establishing themselves, particularly here in the UAE, um, but looking at the Middle East in particular and Africa to some extent as the big growth plays and uh, the growth markets. So, it's, you know, so I think it's becoming a far more competitive environment. And I've seen that not just in the three years that I've been here, but even beyond before that as well. And then, uh, and coupled with regulation, regulators really clamping down to ensure that the quality of what is being sold and what is being provided is really top-notch. And that can be both by introducing or encouraging local players to really deliver top quality, but also encouraging foreign players to come in and really bring that level of expertise. Because I think, we've, that, again, taking the UAE, there's a fantastic opportunity here to really create a center of medical excellence mm. where really we're bringing the best of globally in one place to create that, that center for medical expertise. I mean, in the last 10 years alone, we've, we've had some really big names come into the market. I mean, I think of Abu Dhabi and the Cleveland Clinic, for example, a massive facility, world-class. And there was that vision um, within the UAE um, and soon in Saudi as well to, to basically provide here in this region what a lot of people have been traveling to get in terms of quality. Now, as an insurer in this region, then you're with the, with the regulation as well coming in, mandatory insurance in Abu Dhabi has been for some time now, Dubai more recently, and we're expecting the Northern Emirates as well. Then it becomes a, a different dynamic because it isn't out of pocket. Those that can afford Cleveland Clinic will go to Cleveland Clinic. Those that can afford not Cleveland Clinic to go somewhere else. When you have the insurance, then you're going to want to go for the best, aren't you? So I guess it's about creating a market where people feel like and employers and those paying for the insurance feel like they're, it's, they're not always going to be having to pay the highest costs when it's not necessary, right? That's a sort of balance of education and market knowledge and also, I guess, having more providers across the chain. Absolutely. I think it will become down to having more quality providers across the chain and really ensuring that if you're going to be in a, provi a provider in this market, you are of a top, top quality. And, uh, and there, there really can't be any two ways about that. And I think that's where we have to get to. And that, again, that plays across the entire chain. That's, uh, it has to be the best insurers, the best providers, the, the best every element of that value chain has to ensure quality and really think about what is the, the customer outcome? Are we ensuring that our end users, are people, are staying well and getting better? Uh, are we ensuring that they're getting a good experience through that? And in doing so, are we ensuring that it, we're doing it in the most cost-effective way? And those three things do not conflict with one another. They are absolutely complementary, and that's where we have to get to. And how long before we do get to a point where you, you're going to feel satisfied that those, those factors are complementary? 
I think you see elements of it today. I think it's a continuous improvement to get there. I don't think you can ever be fully satisfied. If I look at Bupa around the world, for example, where we're not just a health insurer, but also a healthcare provider, and you know, we really do create that integrated closed loop, then what we can do is really deliver all three of those things in one go. And, and like I say, I can see that already happening here. And now it just it's about consistency and quality and getting everyone aligned to, uh, to making it happen. Is it a big difference where you're in this region, you're not a provider, while in other regions you are a provider? Does it require a different approach? Not necessarily a different approach because our insurance businesses around the world can still continue to approach markets in similar ways. We have similar standards, consistency principles, etc. We're governed in the same way. We control ourselves in the same way. Obviously, every market is, you know, you have to be specific to the market dynamics, um, whether we're in Chile or Brazil or Hong Kong or here or in Singapore or indeed the UK. When we start to bolt on some of the provision assets to it, I don't think it necessarily changes the way that we do business. It gives us obviously more ways to interact and engage with our customers. It gives us more touch points with our customers. And that's where that's when big data really starts to play into it. That's where you once you can start to get that data, you can start to not just work with end users in a way that we're keeping them or getting them better, actually we're keeping them well by being more predictive around what's happening to them so that we can reach out to them, be more proactive in engaging with them so that we can keep them well before they get ill. So if you've got the data, you've got a big data set and it's telling you that you know a certain percentage of your customers are falling ill in a particular way, then you're able to go in advance to those that haven't fallen ill and saying, look, this, these are the risks. This is what you need to do. Do you need to partner up with a provider to make that happen? Or are you, are you, are you able to, to kind of deal with that yourselves here? I think that, no. I mean, here, we, we ha- of course, we have to partner. In fact, globally, ultimately, this will be about partnering. And, and I think this is where we can lead, take our lead from technology. The whole concept of open sourcing and open architecture of systems means that we can work together in a more seamless way with partners. And I think ultimately that's the only way that we're going to use data effectively to engage people in their own healthcare. And that's why for me, it, you know, this, this concept of wellness, you know, which is a buzzword that frankly no one can define because it means something different to everyone else, is so important. And if we think that, for example, you know, corporates and their populations are not already spending on wellness, even whether they're doing it consciously or not, They already are because the need now is to really engage with people's workforces, understand what keeping well means to them, and then putting programs in place, working closely with insurers and providers in order to create that wellness environment in the workplace, at home, in order to start to change behaviors and really start to change that culture around staying well uh, as opposed to treat me when I'm ill. And, and a lot of that culture of treat me while, while I'm ill, people want to feel that they can go to specialists, they want to feel like they can go to the best doctors, they, they want to feel like they can go to many doctors, which isn't always the, the, the way it's done elsewhere. Um, you know, if we, talk, if we have a discussion around primary care where the first point of contact for a customer in the UAE and actually the wider region as well isn't their GP like it might be elsewhere, but it might be if they've got a problem with their chest they might go straight to the cardiologist, for example. Right. So, you know, it, that all ties in with the wellness, right? About thinking about how you approach your health in a different way. And I do think the market is ripe for some form of primary care intervention. 
to at least act as a gatekeeper towards the more specialized care. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't have the, of course we should have the specialized care, and of course people should have access to it. But I think what we want to do is try to relieve the burden of everyone going to the, that high-end specialist in the first instance and ensuring that the people who need it the most are getting there because actually what you see, an effective primary care model can actually stop 60 to 70% of ongoing referrals and actually treat whatever the issue is there and then, which, which of course leads to the best customer outcome, a great customer experience because you're not having to go from provider to provider, you're getting it resolved at the first point of contact and indeed delivering it in a most cost-effective way because you can do it at a primary care setting as opposed to a secondary, more specialised care setting. That was Kareem Idleby from Bupa Global and he was finishing off there explaining about the importance of an evolving healthcare sector and in particular the push towards more and better primary care that can help the patient, uh, the consumer, if you like, uh, get a better outcome, a better service, and to, to really get the care that they need, as well as factoring in all the efficiency and cost issues that are going on in the sector at the moment. I went to speak to Rashid Tabari, who's a founding partner at Intercare Health Center in Abu Dhabi, which is very much focused on that primary segment. It's fairly new, and it's an area in which we expect there to be a lot more action over the next few years. Here, Rashid explains exactly what primary healthcare is. Typically, the way the market is structured here today is people have access to specialists directly. If you look at the Western world, uh, the UK, France, um, the US, um, there is a kind of what they call a gatekeeper model where the patient cannot access a specialist unless they see their family doctor. And then he will provide coordinated care where he will refer them to the right specialist, which basically ensures that the patient gets the appropriate care at the appropriate setting. And it, it uh, technically is also very, it should be the most affordable care at, for that uh, need. So there's an aspect to it which is about, I guess, cost control and efficiency. If there's an unnecessary uh, consultation with a specialist, then this process prevents that from happening. But what, and I could see the benefit there to insurers and the providers, but what's the benefit to the patient by not going straight to a specialist? So a specialist, you'd normally visit a specialist if you have a specific issue. So if, for example, if you have an ear infection, you have the option of going to your ENT uh, doctor. Um, but often having an ear infection does not necessarily, it's isolated towards the ear. So when you, um, when you go to your family doctor, they have a full history of uh, previous medical conditions that you've gone through, whether you have chronic uh, disease or whether you had previous infections that could affect your ear. So they have a more holistic perspective of you as a human being, as a person, rather than you as a, a let's say, a disease or a symptom which they have to resolve which is what typically happens with a specialist. They're not gonna look at you entirely, they're gonna look at the problem, and they might resolve the problem, but that might not provide you the holistic care that you need to feel well for a longer period of time. It, it, it might not be the whole answer, basically. Yeah, absolutely, yes. And, and so, as, as from what I can understand, and I've spoken to a few people in the, in the health sector in the UAE now, um, it seems that as this 
industry has matured, as there have been more providers along the value chain, as the population has grown, as regulation has changed with, for example, mandatory, mandatory health insurance in various areas, as technology has come into play, and as people have become more sophisticated in what they're looking for, uh, primary care has now become a focus of attention. In, in the UAE that it might not have been five or ten years ago. Is that right? It's true. So over the, since we, since our inception around two and a half years ago, we were kind of pioneers in what, in having a pure vanilla primary care model, which is defined as having basically a family physician-led practice. Um, over the last two years, we've seen there's been a drive from the Department of Health to create uh, standards for primary care, which were issued last year, third quarter to fourth quarter of last year, and they, since in December, started issuing licenses for primary care providers. We're happy to say that we're one of eight um, providers in the market, and um, there's a focus towards driving patients to see family physicians before going to the uh, specialist. The challenge is behavior, consumer behavior, to change a, the behavior of an individual and educate them about the value of a family physician is where the challenge has been and where the Department of Health are working hard to start instilling the values of primary care, family physicians, and the value that they create for you in the long term from a health perspective. Because there's been a lot of investment in the UAE, Abu Dhabi in particular, in, in big facilities and big specialized facilities, might be for, for your eyes or diabetes or you know huge hospitals, Cleveland Clinic in Abu Dhabi, for example, and the rest of the UAE as well. So that, that almost people know about those levels of care, right? And immediately it might spring to mind, I don't feel well, I must go to, what, to, to the best, right? But uh, as, you, as you quite rightly said, it's going to the doctor that knows you, the family physician as first point of call, isn't necessarily the natural step. And so it takes time to create a culture where people say, okay, let me go see my GP first, while it might be natural elsewhere in the world. So I, I think it seems like there's somehow a new segment being created at the moment in the UAE, and, that, and that's where you guys are operating? What we're doing is uh, providing another step within the value chain of care, within the continuum of care. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people have invested into the bigger, better concept, looking at tertiary specialized hospitals, which is much needed in the country and within the region. So as centers of excellence, Cleveland Clinic offers great support in cardiology. Now they're going into, um, into, the, into cancer as well. Um, and it's much needed services within the country and the region, as I said. But people tend to avoid looking at what I said, probably going lower down the value chain. Um, but it's very important uh, care that is needed. Uh, today, it's highly underserviced, but it's, uh, it has been a journey. And the first part of the journey is getting recognition from the regulator, um, which has just happened, as I, as I was explaining to you, since December. And now, uh, thankfully, we have lobbied for two years and we've been included as part of the primary care task force so we can now we can even be an active participant in the way that we structure or how primary care develops within the country uh, it is definitely going to be the one of the most important segments it's very high up uh, on the agenda of the Department of Health it's uh, as per their capacity plan it's going to be the largest growing sector within or let's say it is a segment uh, within the healthcare uh, continuum of care and uh, if the structure or model of care uh, in the Western world is, is, is we're going to evolve towards that. I see within the next couple of years, two to three years, maybe gatekeeping models being 
implemented in place and um, improving access to care uh, can be done through virtual means and technology. You, you yourself are going around and meeting with companies, with interested parties to explain about primary care, right? I mean, you're yeah. having to actually, on the ground, grassroots, do an education job yourself, right? And, and that must be difficult and challenging, but also an opportunity at the same time. Absolutely. So the last couple of years has been an interesting journey. It's been tough, uh, but we, uh, we're very passionate about what we do. We believe in the service that we want to offer. We believe in the quality of care that we want to deliver. And uh, we had a meeting probably three years ago, just before inception in Cleveland Clinic, promoting our family doctor practice. And a few of them had asked, how long will we survive? Um, and that's kind of indicative of what the market's perspective of family physician or primary care is. Not because they don't believe in it, they think it's a, it's a massive need, but it's about uh, the whole structure, the ecosystem of how we are perceived from payer, uh, the insurance companies, to uh, the Department of Health, uh, et cetera, et cetera, other peers, other stakeholders in the market. But now that has all changed. We have seen it through and we hope now that we can grow with it. Uh, it has allowed, it's given us the platform now to think of how we can grow from one center to, as a proof of concept to multiple and looking at it in the developing in the most cost effective way. Uh, so from an innovation perspective, we have, we're looking at how to integrate technology into our uh, service delivery. Uh, as we believe, uh, Department of Health has three kinds of mantras, which is quality, accessibility, and affordability. And a lot of what they practice is around these three pillars. And we feel that we are hitting each three. So the quality of care we know is, is what we provide the best, or we are one of the best providers of care in primary care here. It's showing with the number of patients, the growth of patients, uh, the patients that have come back. Um, from an affordability perspective, we are within the market and have done very well to re maintain costs and reduce referrals to specialists who obviously will charge a higher rate. Um, and from access, although we have one clinic, which has been our challenge, we have uh, approached um, the Department of Health to look at different delivery mechanisms of care. So when we look at access, access could be coming to a physical clinic as a brick and mortar, but we feel there's many other avenues from a tech side that can allow us to grow much faster, which is basically looking at virtual primary care, um, uh, which will be uh, driven through technology and telemedicine, telemonitoring at home for patients with chronic disease. So we're just at the start of our journey to really start hopefully having a bigger impact um, on, on people's, on the population's lives and, and health. Uh, you say the early days of the journey and, and it feels that right now is the broader health sector, we're at sort of an interesting uh, inflection point where uh, we, we've had this sort of era of growth. Um, we've, we've had a lot of big providers coming in. We have international and local providers that are operating in the market. And so if primary care is sort of the next phase of, of the development, it, it's a, it seems to be a sign of maturity for the sector. At least, I don't, I'm not certain that 10 years ago, 15 years ago, we would have had necessarily eight primary care providers in, in Abu Dhabi um, like we do today. Yeah, the market is still, in my, in my humble opinion, I think we're still in a nascent market for healthcare. It's been six, seven years where we have health system financing, and uh, it's been phenomenal what has been achieved to date. It's the most advanced health system financing in the whole region. 
and they have been leaders in uh, in what they have achieved and people look at them and see how they can replicate and probably improve with with health system financing and and having reimbursement structures and a insured population it in, it it implies that there is an opportunity for investment and this is why we've seen a lot of people a lot of in, some international companies invest like imperial like mediclinic um, and and having even incumbents who are still investing and growing like NMC and VPS, uh, it is it is a sign of a healthy market which still has growth potential. Um, uh, the, the challenge today is how to channel patients in the right direction. Uh, we still need secondary tertiary hospitals, um, but primary care as it grows will start standing on its own two feet and become a first point of call for patients and they will be referred to the secondary tertiary hospitals and specialists in the future. I think it's a direction that the Department of Health is trying to take and we hope that we have been on the frontier of this and to take advantage of that in the next two to three years. So with primary care it seems a lot rests on the rapport between the patient and the doctor. You have to like your doctor, you have your family doctor, because you keep going back to them, whether it's for your kids or yourself or and, and they, they have to know you and they have to understand your history and they have to have that bedside manner I guess that, that kind of the softer touch while the surgeons and the specialists can be a little bit less sort of interactive when it comes to the patients so how do you encourage the best kind of um, GPs or primary care doctors to come here when it is still quite nascent in terms of a, a delivery of these services um, it's a good question uh, uh, there's a lot of debate these days about how patients are being managed so with with a lot of with with electronic medical records, uh, it has been said that there's been uh, there's a lot of lack of um, empathy between patient and doctor. So when we started uh, uh, intercare, it was very important that we're low tech, high touch. So it's uh, one of the things that we talked to our physicians is never type a note until you finish your consult. Take an extra five minutes to do it after, although it, we could miss a patient, but it's important that the time that the patient spends with the physician is quality time and they feel that everything is about the patient. So it's patient-centric care rather than waiting for five minutes to type your notes and it became being a bit impersonal. Um, so, so, we've been, so when we looked at our physicians, we went through a large process. We went through a, a, a lot of physicians, a lot of interviews, ended up choosing a, a, the NHS as a base for training so that we have similar uh, diagnosis um, of, of, of conditions. And uh, we went through at least three, four rounds of interviews to find the right physician that was not only a good clinician, but also a good face for intercare to interact and, uh, with our patients, as we believe that that is a, one of the uh, biggest strengths that we have is the relationship that the doctors build with the patients. Um, and without that, you have no repeat customer and, and our growth would, uh, would not be as it is today. You've been listening to the Business Extra podcast, and this has been an episode about the healthcare sector, very much a snapshot of where we are. The next episode coming next week will be about where we're going to. Uh, so join us again uh, when we hear from our experts and get their insight on what the future for healthcare in the UAE and wider region might look like. I'm Mustafa Al-Rawi. Thanks again for listening and see you next week.